My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the land that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well, and it was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered, You were right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman. The hour is coming when you worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who has told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you did not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. 
Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here, the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the woman, the word of the woman who testified, he has told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Is the Lord in our midst or not? That was the very last line from our Old Testament reading today. Over 3,000 years ago, after the Jews had just experienced the Exodus, which was a defining moment in their lives, individually as well as a people, here they had been freed from slavery in Egypt by mighty deeds and miraculous acts through God the Father's loving, guiding hand. And I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. First, with a pillar of cloud and fire, then the parting of the Red Sea, followed by the remarkable protection of God drowning their enemies, the Egyptians who had pursued them. Then the Lord had purified their water. Seriously, they complained that the water didn't taste right, so God did the first filtering for them. He fixed that for them. And then they had this heavenly sustenance called manna to feed on. In countless ways, every day, the Lord had proven that he was with them. Every day he was caring for them, yet on this particular day, when they got to that next stage of the journey towards freedom, which is where we picked up today's reading, there's a setback. They had gone to where the Lord had directed them to set up camp, and there wasn't water there. And what was their response? Not to remember all the ways that the Lord had protected and provided and guided them, not to recall the big and little miracles that had been utterly amazing to them as a people. Not to remember how faithful God had been. No, they're grumbling and complaining and questioning. They make it seem like it's directed towards Moses, but in reality, they're grumbling and complaining and questioning God. At the first sign of difficulty as they encounter what was a minor tribulation or trial, considering what they had just experienced, what is their reaction? What's their thought? What's their cry? Why did you ever let us leave Egypt? Think about what they're saying at this first sign of trouble. They would rather return to being slaves rather than to be free, to being owned by the Egyptians and considered property rather than to live as God's chosen people. It's a temptation we continue to face. The devil is constantly lying, continuing to deceive, continuing to tempt us to choose to be enslaved, no longer to the Egyptians, but to fear and anxiety and dread, 
rather than to live not just as God's chosen people, but as his beloved sons and daughters. That's not to deny the coronavirus or saying that people don't need to take reasonable precautions, but you see it, especially if you just turn on your television and now you can't watch any sports since they've been canceled for the time being. And even if you want to watch a comedy or a sitcom or something, there's always a commercial or a ticker on the bottom all the time that are just speaking words and conveying emotions and feelings that feed into these fears and anxieties and dread, which is causing anger and suspicion and worry, full-on panic as stores are depleted of toilet paper. <laughs> I'm still not quite sure what it is people think is going to happen to them should they even contract what's been described as a respiratory infection that they need that much toilet paper. <laughs> then again, I never understood the run on bread, milks, and eggs before every snowstorm either, but I digress. Is the Lord in our midst or not? The Jews needed to answer that question for themselves and decide whether they were going to continue to journey forward to the destiny that God had for them or not. And if they weren't choosing God, then they were choosing either death or slavery. Rationally and logically, we would think what the obvious choice would be. Who would want to choose death or slavery? In reality, people struggle with this choice, though. But to be fair, I think when people choose death or slavery, it's usually not a rational or logical decision, nor is it rooted in faith. Remember, Catholics believe in faith and reason. When people choose death or slavery, it's a reaction, or rather it's an overreaction. It's an emotional response. Oh my God, someone utters as they encounter what's something that overwhelms them, that discourages them, that causes them to question or despair. Not in prayer but inadvertently using God's name as an exclamation point to express their despair. For too many in the world around us, for whatever reason they felt or been misled to believe, God's not in our midst. And truth be told, we might even find ourselves at times wavering in our belief that he has remained. The scriptures remind us that God sees what we're suffering from, what obstacles we face. He knows the deep fears and worries, and yes, how easy it is to zero in on all those realities that we're facing, some of which are being amplified or magnified to look even bigger and scarier. And he knows that when we do that and we keep our eyes focused on those realities, it's easy to join with those who grumble and complain and question whether it's one another, whether it's officials, or even God himself. Which is why, like the Jews, we have to make a choice if we believe the Lord is in our midst, then we have to double down on our faith. And that calls us to live differently, to choose to live in faith, hope, and love. Brothers and sisters, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. That's not my words. I wish I was that eloquent. That was St. Paul to the Romans in our second reading, and it's worth hearing that again. St. Paul is reminding us that our lives are in his hands, both in the here and now, and what for too many seem to forget for all eternity. Our lives are in God's hands. Even when we fail, even when we fall, even when we felt distant or isolated from God, St. Paul reminds us 
God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us, imperfect sinners as we are, because more than imperfect, more than sinners, we are and we will always be his beloved sons and daughters. And that's what's so moving about this story about the Samaritan woman. She doesn't believe that. Or maybe she doesn't even know that. She's been used and manipulated. She's been told lies and let them take root deep within her about who she is. Divorced, unfaithful, promiscuous, adulterous. Those are just some of the the labels attached to her that she's believed. Is the Lord in our midst or not? Well, for her, even if he was, she didn't feel she could be in his midst or anyone else's presence for that matter. That's why she's going to the well at the hottest point of the day where there'd be the fewest people around. That's what isolation does to us, which is a good thing for us to remember. We can zero in on all that's wrong with the world and all that's wrong in my own world that I don't want to be around anyone. But the gospel beautifully tells us what our hope is, where our hope is, who our hope is. We believe in a God who doesn't just lead, guide, and protect us, provide, and care for us. The amazing good news today is that he comes looking for us. He waits for us. Being God, he lowered himself and doesn't demand our obedience like slaves or servants. He doesn't speak into our sins and faults, which have distorted our image of ourselves and our identities, and then shame us and guilt us into following him. He waits for the woman at the well and gently engages her in conversation and lovingly restores her hope that her past mistakes doesn't have to limit or define her for today, and even more, that she has a future. And that's what Jesus has given her, is hope. That's the good news. Pope Benedict once beautifully put it, whoever has hope lives differently. The one who has hope has been granted the gift of new life. For the Samaritan woman, the effect is immediate. Her isolation and her fears, all the lies that she's heard about herself or told herself are wiped away as she goes and shares this good news with the very people she was avoiding. She becomes a missionary, bringing people to come meet and encounter Christ for themselves. Now more than ever, we need to follow her example, not allow ourselves to shut off and isolate and retreat, not to give into fear and panic and anxiety, And instead, look and see how Jesus seeks and waits for us. Praying, which means speaking and listening to him and renewing our decision, being confident in our choice, our decision and answer to share his good news that yes, the Lord is in our midst. Yes, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. Yes, we boast in hope of the glory of God and hope does not disappoint.
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, 